Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. This episode, I'm excited to have Darye joining me. Uh, we got to meet during B-Sides Orlando this past November, and I got to meet with her and her teammates from Praetorian. I've been kind of a fan of theirs for a while. Uh, it was kind of interesting when I discovered their website several years ago, how they have these challenges online. So someone's interested in joining their pen testing team. You solve these challenges, submit it, and then uh, you get interviewed. So I thought that was kind of an interesting approach because most cases, when companies have any kind of challenges, usually you go through the interview process, they're given the challenge. If they do well, then they get an interview and so forth. So it's kind of interesting the way they do that. So I thought that, always thought that is fascinating and recently had the uh, CEO, Nathan Sportsman, on a while back. And actually, I was, was introduced through uh, the team there that was at B-Sides Orlando on recommending having on a podcast. So welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Good to have you here. So it was really, really pretty cool. I really uh, respect and like your company, but just kind of seeing uh, when you all were there at B-Sides Orlando, your mission was trying to help people. And it just really seems great that you even uh, seem to emphasize trying to help people get started in the industry out of college and so forth. A lot of times it's hard to find those kind of opportunities. So I think that's great. And uh, I gained a little more respect for your company through that. Thank you. That's exactly why I actually started. This is my first job out of college. I started right away after graduating, and it definitely is a really cool and teaching spot for people who just graduate college from mostly engineering majors, but who are looking to do something different or looking at something that is within the cybersecurity industry. Um, so definitely a really amazing starting place for a lot of uh, young graduates. We started with um, people who were also seniors, had just graduated uh, together, and we kind of, like, you can see how we all grew with each other, and we learned through our experiences as we uh, grew into Praetorian. I'm a year and a half in now, which is crazy to think about, and uh, while I'm super young, uh, compared to a lot of people in the industry, it's, it's been a beautiful journey, just learning a lot from very smart people. That's good. That's great to be in an environment like that because, I mean, there's some people that get jobs in industries and they don't have that learning opportunity. And in some cases, I know back when I was getting started, uh, I started out as a sysadmin, people weren't always as willing to help. And so if you can get in an organization somewhere where people are willing to help and teach you and bring you along, that's a good thing. Back in the old days, sometimes people viewed it as job security. They didn't want to teach other people and fear that they'd lose their job or whatever, but it's great to be in, in an environment like that. And I'd like to see more more places like that because you see so many times where an entry-level position and they want five years worth of experience, that's not entry-level. It's what, not, what that, for sure. What that indicates to me is they're paying <laughs> entry-level pay, but they want a mid-level person. 
Right. No, so, I can I can totally see that. And so you've probably had some some peers, some people that you went to college with that have probably run into some of those types of issues, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. When I was looking for jobs before I found Praetorian, every single position almost that I looked at was entry level, but we want you to have this job experience. We want you to have this internship experience and this certification and stuff like that. So Praetorian was really a godsend in, in the sense that they didn't require anything like super particular. Of course, they wanted you to be in the engineering field as a major and have a general interest in it, plus the challenges, of course. But I believe that what they really looked for, especially in my uh, interview, which I know translates to all, a lot of other interviews, is if you know the engineering concepts really well, not necessarily super security wise, but just, for example, knowing how computers work at a fundamental level, knowing how code works, knowing what variables are, you know, like a lot of that stuff and how to put them together. They really wanted us to have a really good, basic, conceptual understanding of the concepts that security people use in their daily lives, um, as well as behavioral fits. A Praetorian, I believe, and they still do, uh, they put a lot of emphasis on culture. As a company, we are pretty close-knit. I believe this is also due to the size of our company because we're pretty small-ish. And, uh, but it does give us the opportunity to just hang out with each other and get to know each other better. And I can just raise my hand and say, hey, can you help me with this command that doesn't work? Or uh, I will just slack someone and someone will also always be there to help, a question, help with a question. And I believe that's really one of the best things um, you know, because an entry-level position is supposed to be exactly this. Like, you're supposed to ask questions. You're supposed to learn from other people. And I believe that. They really put in a lot of emphasis in learning and asking questions. Yeah, that, that's a great culture, too. Because, you know, when, you, when you're starting out or you're even starting somewhere that maybe you're not brand new, if you have questions, you're kind of worried sometimes. If, you, if people on the team or management sees you don't need that, don't know that, that they'll view you as not having the knowledge and you just kind of worry about that confidence wise. So it's kind of good to be in a place where it's a place where you can ask questions and people aren't going to, you know, beat you up over not knowing something that that's, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I myself did this. I was like, I'm sorry. I know this is a dumb question, but I don't know why the doesn't work, but every answer that I got from uh, these smart people were, was, um, there is no such thing as a dumb question. You're a smart person who just needs some guidance. And that's it. Like that's everybody's mindset towards uh, unknowns in our, in our company. So I really believe that's like super healthy and it helps out a lot. And so why don't we, uh, a lot of people that are listening to this are, are people trying to get into industry. So that's a lot of the, a lot of the reason people listen. So hearing stories like this is great. Uh, so why don't you kind of share your story from the beginning, you know, kind of, uh, you know, your college experience and how you decided that you want to go into security and all that. So if you wouldn't mind sharing that. No, absolutely. I would love to. Um, so my story is just starting, honestly, I'm a year and a half ish, and I just graduated from uh, the University of Pennsylvania up in Philly with a degree in computer engineering in 2021. It was a pandemic graduation and, um, during the pandemic, I was home with my parents and I remember looking into a lot of jobs and job postings. The COVID summer, I had a cybersecurity um, internship that I had just scored get canceled because of the pandemic. So I was very upset about that and still looking around for job postings. But even 
before that, during college, I've always had an interest in computers. Of course, I did computer engineering, but I've always wanted to learn more about cybersecurity, take uh, cryptography classes and networking classes. I did a lot of those uh, practice with some of the tools that we use regularly right now at college. But I did have a chance to do that, but there was no cybersecurity major or anything super directed or something like that in my particular college. I know some colleges do now, but mine didn't have that. So it was kind of trying to find what I was interested in, like try different um, topics out. So that's what I was doing. But honestly, like besides that informal kind of experience, I didn't have much experience. I didn't have an interest in cybersecurity. I didn't know much of the tools. I mean, anything that I do right now, I didn't know uh, when I first was looking around for jobs. And then I came across Praetorian's job posting. And it's actually funny. I I had sent over my resume um, in the job posting to Praetorian. Uh, it was like I had to go through a lot of pages within the job posting site to like find Praetorian because it's, you know, it's a bit of a big, small, it's smaller. Um, and then uh, Nathan, the CEO, actually met, reached out to me on LinkedIn and email and asked to talk to me and schedule our interview uh, the next day. So I was super ecstatic. Um, and then I had that talk with him. It was a behavioral interview and they asked about my interests and what I do in college, what I wanted to learn, what I was up to and all of that stuff and to, to gauge my interests within the field. Um, and after that, I ended up uh, trying to doing, do those challenges that you talked about at the beginning of the podcast. I believe I did the crypto challenge because I thought it was really interesting. And then I sent out to Hash and um, we had interviews scheduled. For the interviews for Praetorian, it was really hard. It was probably the hardest interview process that I've been to because it was open book, but the questions that they asked really made you think. So for example, we had like a... Um, like assembly station, we had a C state C station, we had a uh, reverse engineering station, and a lot of various tasks like that. So it really made you think, and that made me think back to all of my college experience and really pull back the knowledge that I had absorbed uh, absorb and apply it there. So and then it worked out, and I got got the job, and it was really exciting. But that has been my the start of my career, and then. I ended up studying for the OSCP, which Praetorian really made an emphasis on, you know, getting at the time. And they still do. And I spent months on that certification. It was a really hard process, but in the end, I was able to get it. And yeah, that is my background. I did not have many formal experiences, if at all. Uh, my one internship had been canceled, and I was really upset about that because I was going to perform um, incident response uh, research and some uh, some helping out with a cybersecurity department at a um, private equity firm at, uh, in Philadelphia, but then the pandemic happened, and that was really sad. So that kind of made me think, oh, maybe I should really go look for some jobs in cybersecurity because what I was about to do sounded really cool, but I didn't get to do it. So that is my background. <laughs> Well, so, sounds like it worked out well for you. And one of the good things too, especially for li people listening, and one of the things I like about your background and how you got started is sometimes when people get cybersecurity degrees, they don't really get to go deep enough into the fundamentals. You know, you talk about all the things that you got to do, you know, 
understanding coding and some of those things, sometimes that stuff gets skipped over in some of the cybersecurity degrees programs out there. So I think it's really great that you did that because actually one of the things I, I tell people, I think one of the better paths to cybersecurity is to get like a computer science degree and then maybe uh, specialize in cybersecurity or minor in cybersecurity just to get that security uh, knowledge. But that background you get from a security uh, computer science background or a program like you did is, is pretty valuable. And that's why you see some people in the industry that have been in for a long time, like myself, that been you know got in around the time your your CEO did, you know, especially back then, they weren't weren't cybersecurity degrees, and you didn't see any pen testing courses in college. And the way in some people that started back then, they would tell everyone you need to be a sysadmin first, which I don't agree with. You have to do that. Having that knowledge is helpful, but a lot of them that's their view because that's kind of how how they got in. So it's a I think it's a really great background that you have. And I know you say you've only been in a year and a half, but one of the things I really value these episodes a lot is you take someone like Nathan that's been in over 20 some odd years. Uh, I've had Alyssa Knight and Dave Kennedy on here. They've been in the industry over 20 something years. And when you see that, it's like trying to compare, uh, you know, Michael Jordan. If you want to be a basketball player and you look at that, you think I'll never achieve that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But then when you hear the story of someone that's just getting started out, it seems a little more realistic. And I think it, it's very inspirational to listeners. Thank you. And I really hope it helps out other people because I myself didn't have any experience. I, I, I'm on Reddit a lot and I read a lot of stuff about how people want to get the certificate first to get the door in, to, to get it through the door, to get their foot into the door and um, to do, you know, some formal internships before they can actually start a cybersecurity job. But that's not what I had. I, I was very really fortunate enough to have a company that they believed in me when they interviewed me and they wanted to have me in their company. So one of the things I really appreciate Projurian for is how they gave me a chance. And I think that is really one of the biggest advice, pieces of advice I could give to other people out there. Don't be afraid of applying to entry level and like startup and small companies like that because in my experience, those have been the ones that really give you a chance to prove yourself and step out there. For example, I had, when I was getting interviewed, I remember this very fondly, actually. Um, so after technical challenges and everything, when I was presented with the offer, I was told that, you know, Daria, we can teach you the technical stuff. We can teach you how to hack. We can teach you how to perform internal, external network penetration tests. Like, we can teach you all of that. But what we're really looking for is your ability and your willingness to learn. And if you're determined enough to to go and do that, to learn that, to absorb the information that we're giving you, to pursue and ask questions, that's what we're really looking for. So I was really fortunate enough to have a company that emphasized the willingness and the love for learning uh, about all of this stuff. So that really, really helped me out a lot. That's great. And one of the things too, you know, I, I think it's awesome too. smart, starting with the smaller company, because if you go into a Microsoft or something like that, or a Google, getting the opportunity, sometimes I don't think the opportunity is as great. I mean, it's a good experience, but I think some of those really large companies, it takes you longer to advance and stuff. And, you know, I was just looking at your LinkedIn profile. You've been there a year and eight months and you're already a senior security engineer. And I'm sure they just didn't give that to you 
just, you know, because you didn't deserve it. I'm sure you earned it for you to, and so to be at a senior level at a year and eight months into your career is awesome because usually consulting companies are a little more strict. Now, if you're a senior, based on my experience, if you're a senior security engineer in a, in a bank, uh, you know, one of the large companies, meta companies or Google and that so forth, you have to be there years before you get in that role, but it's good that you're able to get there quicker. And in my opinion, I, to me, it's more impressive to see someone that's in consulting that's a senior or a principal than someone that's in internal organization, because as consultants, typically you have to know more because you're in different environments constantly on pen tests. You normally don't have as much time as someone in internal company because, you know, companies are paying, you know, per hour for your services and they can't afford to spend a month on the pen test like they could with someone internally. So you definitely deserved it, but that's interesting to see that you were somewhere that you're able to gain that level and not be a held back. I mean, I've, my wife, for a matter of fact, company she works at, luckily things are changing because of her performance, but she works in digital forensics and kind of their way of promoting people was based on tenure. If you're there X amount of years, you could be a senior. And that's really, I don't think that's a fair way to do it. I think it's based on your performance because why should someone stay at a company or someone that's at a company that's slacking, not doing their job, be promoted because they've been there 10 years. And then someone that's been there a year or two that are outperforming them doing senior level work and not get promoted. So it's really, really great to see that you're somewhere that you're getting promoted you know, because you deserve it and, and not having to spend X amount of years there to, to get that promotion. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. It has been really a, a fair process for everybody. I believe we do have um, streamlined processes for our promoting that are internal, but I believe, uh, for example, OSCP is one of them. And uh, they also take into consideration how you operate on like an engagement level. How do you communicate with the client? How do you present the findings that you have within an M test? How do you do you organize yourself with checklists or do you have like a methodology when you perform, say, an internal active directory review or pen test? So they really take into account like everything that you do. They take into account whatever feedback other people might have for you. They take take into account like the client satisfaction which is like number one, most important thing. Um, and yeah, I, I believe that it has been a super great learning process. I also didn't, I would, I, I, I didn't think I would make it either pretty soon, but um, OSCP taught me mountains and mountains of knowledge. And I believe that really, or like the kind of a shit cherry on top. Um, and then I was promoted and it, it felt really great because I'm able to help a lot more clients now. I'm able to mentor a lot of junior engineers that come new to our company, which has been amazing. So uh, definitely a lot of new skill sets to learn when you become a, a senior because you get to you know mentor a lot of people and the expectations from you are higher. You're you're expected to operate 100% solo, um, but they do prepare you for that. Even when you're a junior, they try giving you solo work at some level. Um, and then so that you can understand how that will work as you become a senior and you can get into the hang of things. So definitely, um, uh, it wasn't easy, but it was really rewarding for sure. That's good. That, uh, as far as going through the OSCP, how did your, your college education, did that seem to help you much during OSCP process? 
A little bit. Linux knowledge helped a bit. I did um, a lot of uh, operating systems and computer architecture classes. So for some Linux, basic Linux knowledge, that was helpful for me. But other than that, the security concepts and, um, and also networking for sure, like that helped me a lot when, uh, you know, how OSCP uses Wireshark and requests and all of that. So that definitely helped me a lot. But um, in addition, like other than like, I guess those two core concepts, really, the OSCP was kind of like a starting from the bottom learning experience for me because I really needed to understand how to how to exploit certain things, how to version fingerprint, how to run MMAP scans, you know, how like all over again so that you get like the exact output that you want that will help you. You know, a lot of a lot of those things like creating exports or modifying uh found exports online, whatever you needed at that situation. Those were definitely really newfound skills. And um I I had to go through a lot of labs. I had to go through to their lot of late nights for sure and it was it was a bit hard because um like you work you know nine to five even more sometimes with actual hacking work that you do at work so after that's done you don't really get a break so you hop again onto the osb train where you have to hack again till you know midnight 1 a.m whatever that might be even though it's you're, you're doing something you really love which i which i did but it can definitely get tiring after a certain certain time. So I, there was a time period where CP was like, all I thought about, you know, uh, in, yeah. in my dream, I was like, oh my God, why didn't that exploit work? What was wrong? Did I compile it wrong? You know, so um, definitely a lot of, lot of brain effort there. Um, but yeah, that, that was a really big challenge. Very cool. So what, what certifications do you have in mind for the future? Are you, are there any that you have in mind that you're wanting to work on next? Absolutely. Um, I took a little bit of a peek after the OSCP just to get into the hang of things. But I'm working on the um, Azure 104 certification right now, trying to expand myself a little bit into the cloud as well. And um, I will also potentially do the OSWI biofacet security uh, right after that. Uh, Praetorian has a pretty streamlined uh, certification plan that is kind of taken as a guideline for engineers. So I will hopefully be going through those steps again. That's good. One, one of the things I see companies fail at sometimes is not really being involved in the education process. I've been at companies where you pick where you want to take, you want to take it. And I think that is fine. But I think when people are getting started, that it's kind of good to have some guidance because if someone jumps into, you know, like the OSCE now, which is like three different certifications to combine but someone jumps into exploit development without getting the OSCP and not have that level of experience, it's kind of nice to have a roadmap. So you've got experience, you know, or going off the experience of people that have done it before to make it more streamlined for you and, and not have to worry about trying to pick what you want to pick next. Do you have something like that? Have some kind of input and guidance, I think is, is helpful because like I said, I've seen places where you didn't have that and people just took whatever and, Maybe they were starting to do a lot more web app pen testing, but no one's really saying, hey, why don't you do this, you know, prioritize this first because you need these skills right away and then do this next. So it's good that, that you've got some kind of reference and guidance there on your education. 
Absolutely. I'm really thankful for it too. Uh, for example, the OSTP is kind of like a starting point. Like they, the, like you, you really have to like get that. And then after that, they do give you some basic like guidelines on what certifications you can follow. I, um, and then depending on your interests, you can still like add on to those. Like, for example, I'm really looking to get into red teams and export development, malware development. So I will hopefully get what I want to get the uh, OSEP, uh, maybe the one next after next, I guess. So uh, that's definitely uh, in my in my mind for sure. That's great. So what's your favorite type of pen testing? Have you picked a favorite yet? I have. I've been mostly working on internals and active directory penetration testing. Um, I really enjoy finding misconfigurations um, in uh, Windows and AD environments. And um, it's been very, very a fun experience. Uh, like just trying to get access wherever I can without being super destructive, of course. And uh, it has taught me a lot on how Windows works and how just like computers work in general, and how many properties and policies can it have. It's, it's mind blowing. So it's, it has been very cool to experience that like firsthand. That's exclusively what I, do now almost all the time uh, i'm on the occasional external uh pen test um some just act directed reviews not exploiting but reviewing configuration but yeah that those have been definitely my favorite ad uh internal pen tests great so what's what's been the most difficult type of pen test for you to do also that <laughs> also that because okay, because sometimes customers environments are really locked down uh, because we have been testing them for a while, they're not. It's not the first time that they, you know, came to us for an internal pen test. Uh, for most of our customers, it's that way. So when you when you look into that environment, you're like, all right, this is very locked down. We gave a lot of good recommendations prior. So uh, when you have that, when you have a secure client, it's. I feel like it's always a bit harder. So because you would have to like put in a lot more effort to look into the nitty gritty and see where else you can go, like try different more. Uh, strenuous and longer attack paths. So that has been also like bane and the boon, I guess. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's kind of good that you embrace the pain because, you know, a lot of people will, will say, you know, if you, yeah. something's difficult, don't, if you don't avoid it and you take, you know, deal with the pain and, and push forth, you know, you're going to grow. That's where the growth happens. So that's, that's great that you're doing that and good and good advice for others too. You know, something's difficult. Don't give up. Keep, keep learning because i know when when i went to the oscp one that was pretty difficult for me and i learned so much from that but sometimes it's easier for people to go towards the easier thing instead of really pushing to try to you know try to learn for sure it took me three times to get the oscp so it was definitely not not an easy feat. Yeah. when i was going to my third time i was like oh my god if i fail this one again <laughs> like, i was very scared but it you know, it worked out, but it, I totally, like, it's, it's very, uh, a hard mindset to get in and out of. And, um, it's, I think it's really good advice to on, on my side as well to, um, don't give up, but then don't also beat yourself if you really can't find super critical vulnerabilities because some clients are just secure and that's just the way, way it is. You can still provide value, uh, if, cause you have been going through every configuration that they have, like you still do provide value but no positive value. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like you said, it's still value because you're validating that they're secure. You know, it's sometimes as pen testers, we get discouraged if we don't find something, but at the same time, if you, if you put forth your best effort, you're not finding anything, then they're seeing they're secure and that's what they're trying to do to begin with. 
And it's interesting though, you talk, talk about how it's kind of difficult going back, contesting these return customers. It's one of the things I have to say about nowadays compared to when I started in 2012, it is a lot more, a lot more difficult. It's funny that there's tools, there's more tools that are more helpful, but it's gotten more difficult at the same time. Companies have started getting better through security, a lot of the endpoint protection. I mean, when I was starting out, you didn't have to uh, obfuscate any of your exploits. Usually they just work as they were, and you didn't really have all this advanced endpoint protection back then. You had people running antivirus. That was pretty much it, and it was a lot easier. You know, MS-08067 worked most of the time, and... <laughs> And interesting because I was talking to a former oh college colleague that we worked at the same company and his kind of comment on internal pen tests, how he remembered that how you used to not have to, to know active directory for pen tests, but now you have to, you know. For sure. It's still does sometimes, you know, uh, yeah. within OSCP labs and some, some stuff you see out in the wild, but yes, hundred percent, a lot more clients are more protected uh, against that. The EDR has been really successful in finding my payloads. So for sure. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. So what do you, what does your family think about you hacking for a living? What, what are they, I'm sure they were probably kind of surprised or. Yeah, they still can't believe it. And they told me to teach them, but it's, it's, uh, it's really hard for me to teach them because uh, they're both doctors. So they don't really have, um, you know, the, the insane computer knowledge that they taught us in computer engineering. They're very smart, but you know, it's just, it'll be just like a whole like teaching them a whole other major basically if i end up going <laughs> through that stuff so um yeah they they find it really fascinating and um, i would love to teach something one day to them yeah i bet they i bet they brag to all their their friends and colleagues too i would imagine yeah i don't know about that maybe <laughs> uh maybe they were like oh if you if you're bad to me my daughter will hack you like but you know it's just <laughs> yeah <laughs> funny stuff that's, that's funny so do you have to do much tech support <laughs> for your family? I, I do. My, uh, I do. I do. And it's actually really a blessing. And um, my dad loves computers. He, he loves computers. He was the one who actually got me into all of this. Like, I, he's the reason I probably went to computer engineering because I have a picture when I'm like two years old and like I'm on his, you know, I'm on his chair and I'm like trying to pipe stuff from the, you know, little <laughs> old IBM computers. So. Um, you know, it started there and, um, like definitely the person who got me into all of this stuff, uh, as much as like, like to tinker, tinker with computers and everything, uh, I'm sure you could make a good hacker if I went, gave him like the code knowledge and all of the technical knowledge that's needed. So, yeah. Very cool. So we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there any advice you'd like to, to share with the listeners? Absolutely. I, I believe that. Everybody who wants to get into security can get into security. Uh, I, I guess one piece of advice that I want to give to people is don't be afraid of asking questions. Don't be afraid of applying for that job that you think, oh, they won't get me. They won't, you, they won't accept me. You know, don't be afraid of doing that because I, had, I didn't know that this was going to work out for me. And I honestly, at the time, I believed it was, a, it was a blessing. It was a piece of luck that I had. So don't be afraid of reaching out. Don't be afraid of applying for the jobs like this. And also um, understanding a core concepts like within coding and engineering, I think it will take you further than you think, you know, it, it, it might um, definitely put emphasis on learning how things work in the background 
because I find out that like it really helps me day to day, even right now, to explain things to my clients and explain things to other colleagues. So uh, definitely try to put in as much emphasis as you can to learn the core concepts of uh, computers and operating systems and or whatever engineering topic that you're into. So those would be my two little pieces of advice. Well, great advice. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join. And, and I'm sure that there's going to be some people that are going to get some good, some good out of this episode. It's kind of interesting how the different, different episodes kind of resonate with people differently. And, and sometimes it would kind of surprise you. I have had a former uh, coworker or someone that I knew back in my AutoCAD drafting days that I had on and someone was listening that was trying to make the move from AutoCAD to cybersecurity. So it encouraged them. So each one of these stories and the more we do, the more, more shared that it's going to help people. So there's some story out there that's going to help someone and I'm sure yours will. I'd be glad to help. I hope I really, um, you know, gave a nice understanding of my background and I I gave people hope. So um, absolutely, it's my, it's my pleasure. Thanks everyone for joining and we'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.